911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Life Beyond the Sirens podcast with Brett, Tim, and Stu. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Stories and advice from frontline workers. Hey guys, and welcome back to Life Beyond the Sirens podcast on this beautiful Easter long weekend. Uh, today, you guys are stuck with just me and Brett. That's right. We got Stu's on Proby summer holidays right now. Yeah, he's doing something with the family. I don't know, but uh, either way, you got two great hosts here, so mm-hmm. you guys lucked out in a way. Mm-hmm. Just a couple knuckleheads. Yeah. Over uh, our last episode, we were getting quite a few DMs, um, people interested in hearing a little bit more about our stories and how we got into it. Um, to see if maybe that could be something that they could use to also propel them into a fire service yeah. job. There's lots uh, of different like things you can do that lead into the fire service. So yeah, it's a really like an unlimited amount of thing. You just got to get some kind of skill set and that you can bring to the team. It uh, kind of ties in with our last episode about like getting hired in interviews and stuff. So I'm sure, yeah, like people want to know like how did we get in? Because for me, it wasn't an easy journey that's for sure yeah there's no there's no right path there's no blueprint to it you just got to keep your foot on the gas and just keep applying and keep at it and when you get in like you hear stories from people that you work with and like everybody has a different way that they got in and you know like we can just share our two stories that like maybe somebody will connect with and be like oh like that's a good path to take like maybe i'll try and emulate that so yeah for sure and i think a lot of the time it's just the right the right time sometimes you could be doing everything right and just seem like nothing's connecting nobody's hiring you you're getting so close but it's sorry better luck next time lots of soul crushing rejection on this end (laughs) yeah exactly it just makes it so much more humbling when you actually get the job yeah for sure and you appreciate it that much more yeah there was a lot of uh a lot of no's before it got to the yes so yeah. Um, like when did you, okay, like let's just start from the beginning for you. So like when did you realize like, hey, this is something I want to pursue? I've always wanted to get into the fire service. Even like when I was a young boy, like my dad or my family had a big restoration company. So I'd go to fire scenes and I would see the fire department and the firefighters, you know, fighting fires. doing like restoration as in like somebody's house burnt down or like flood yeah, or schools or whatever. I would, I wouldn't really go to the floods because mm-hmm. that wasn't that interesting, but if I got the opportunity to go to a big like building on fire or something like that, I like, I ate that up. Oh yeah. That was cool. So and like, like how old were you at this point? I don't know. Eight, nine, I would say oh, okay. 10. Um, but that being said, I had an opportunity to maybe go into the family business, but I was like, no, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. I remember like my dad growing up in Sarnia, like he worked in the plants and he like was, you know, pushing me to like get that sort of job as well. Like his job paid very well. He supported a family, like, you know, got like, like worked his way up in the refinery to like a really, like a sick job, like shift work, like great pay pension, whatever. And he's just like, Hey, you know, like maybe follow this path. Like, you know, my brother's an ER doctor and like, they kind of maybe realized that, well, maybe that kind of life isn't for Brett. Let's kind of nudge him towards. <laughs> so, uh, but I just like never wanted to just fall into that pattern of like what was easy. And like, I didn't necessarily want to like leave Sarnia. Like I could have lived there forever. It is what it is. But um, like, I just knew that like, I didn't want to just fall into a job that like I just showed up to get paid for. So like, 
I, I, I knew from like an early age that like, I didn't want to just follow in the footsteps of like, you know, like my family either not, you know, I just wanted to do something different. I didn't quite know until I was in high school that like what that was, but it's so hard to pick because there seem to be forcing kids to choose what you want to do so early in life. So early, like think back when you were like 17, what an absolute idiot you were like, yeah, I didn't even know what I wanted to do next week, let alone what the next 35, 40 years of my life. Like exactly. And that's like, I had some other career choices. Like when I was in high school, I did uh, signed up for the military. Mm-hmm. So I did all my like soldier qualification, my basic military qualifications. I got to experience what it was like to somewhat be a soldier for a little bit, mm-hmm. even though I was only in there for a did you very have, short time. Did you want to actually go to the military or at this point you're like, Hey, this is a good stepping stone. Yeah. Well, I, I used it kind of as a stepping stone too, cause I signed up as a combat engineer. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get some skills that can be translating into the fire service, but I also wanted to test out to see if the forces is something that I wanted to pursue a career in. Mm-hmm. But it was also at the time that we were going over to Afghanistan and stuff, and I could actually see myself kind of enlisting just to go over to Afghanistan, see combat oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was something that like I loved the army movies growing up, and you the, wanted the, to go to war. Like I wanted to go over to Afghanistan. Yeah, I guess when I was younger, like I, yeah, I thought it would be wow. just something. I I don't know. Really? I I just like, I couldn't, I don't know. Like I just never had any interest in it. Like maybe, I don't know like what it is. I just like the military was just never really on my radar. I I actually went and when I was in London to um, just like try to get into the reserves as like something as like a resume builder. But like, I just, I never actually like felt compelled to like get into the. Right. I, and I think you, you obviously develop a lot of like leadership skills that are teamwork. Yeah. Like it's like great training. Of, yeah. A lot of like discipline, like you become a better human being for mm-hmm. being in the forces. I, I strongly believe in it. Yeah. Like we've interviewed quite a few people that were in the military and they're like, they're just a different level of like professionalism and mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. th- there's definitely like life skills that you learn with that. Oh, a hundred percent. They break you down on purpose till like you feel like you're, just nothing and then they slowly build you up and make you feel like an amazing like you can accomplish anything mm-hmm. and especially doing it all with like teamwork and stuff like teamwork really does make the dream work it's yeah so like you're like eight years old and you you realize like okay i want to get into the emergency services where do you go from there from there uh like you said i joined the army during high school i knew that was going to try and translate and i wanted to get that out of my system Mm-hmm. So I have no regrets later on in life. Uh, and then I went to college. I signed up for the pre-service uh, firefighting what, what program. What school did you go to? Uh, St. Lawrence College. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I went there, um, did that. That was an amazing year, like all the, the nice 12 months one? Yeah. 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 So like for people listening, um, if you haven't gotten your qualifications yet, there's a lot of different ways that you can get your firefighter certificates. You can do the one-year schooling through any college um, or you can do like anything as short as like two weeks that you can go down to Texas. I think you got to do all your like online learning and then you show up and you do, just hammer it out. In two yeah. I weeks. think it's like t- uh, three or four months of online work. There's yeah. some tests and stuff you have to do. It's 
But like then a, there's also like that three month thing. You can do it in BC. You can do the three month in Texas, I think. Yeah, as there's well. like Lakeland College out in Alberta. I think it is. There's lots of them around. Yeah. So if you're looking for different options where you're like, say you're like 35 years old, you got a family, you're like, I don't have time to invest a year to go to college. There's other options. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So I did the college uh, program. That was an amazing experience. Taught me a lot. But I was probably 20 or sorry, I was probably 19 at the time. So I knew I wasn't getting hired as a 19 year old. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't uh, very good with my hands as far as tools and trades and stuff like that. So I signed up for the primary care paramedic program. Where'd you do that? Uh, the Ontario College of Health and Technology. Oh, wow. Yeah, big nice. private college. But uh, that was amazing because I loved learning about like anatomy, physiology, yeah, being what, on the ambulance. It was awesome. What, what made you like get into paramedics? Is that just like, okay, I don't like, like a traditional path or one of the traditional paths into the fire services, like trades or something like that and you're just like i don't want to well yeah i wasn't a good trades person so that was my other there's not much hair gel on a on a job site so (laughs) yeah exactly no one has a spray tan (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh i picked paramedics just because like that was something that i was interested in i got to work with the fire departments i was responding to real emergencies it was directly relatable to the fire department the fire department it was doing about like 70 percent medical calls so i was like what better way yeah like you saw the, the trend happening because that's what I did the same thing. I went to paramedic school as well. And like I was looking at it as like I at the time I was like, you know, 18 years old, 17 years old. And I was like, I always knew I like at that point I wanted to get into emergency services somehow. And my family loved medical stuff. Like my brother's a doctor. Like I said, my mom worked for a doctor. So I was always like in this medical facility of some sort. And I just like I looked at the trend of like fire services kind of going towards more of a, like a, of a medical based response. And I was like, well, that would be a great way to get in. Like, sure. I could try and learn a trade and like, maybe, you know, like have a really good paying job while I'm trying to get hired. But I like you, I was like, you know, I didn't care to learn how to frame a house or hang drywall. I just didn't, I had no interest in it. I love it now. Like I love renovating houses and stuff now. It's weird how your interests change as you get older and owning a house forces you to be very cheap and do it yourself. (laughs) And so I did the paramedic thing as well. And you know, I'm sure much to my parents' relief, I actually showed an interest in something. <laughs> They're probably like, as I was growing up, like, I don't know where this kid's going in life. But um, yeah, I loved it too. I did the two-year program at Lambton College and it was I, like going through like high school, like there was only a few classes that I really connected with. Like I didn't, you know, have much of an interest in a lot of things. And I remember like my first little while in paramedic school as, as much as like I was young and, you know, kind of immature, like I really was drawn to the like education. Like I loved the the knowledge that was being given to me. Like I just loved the subjects and that was like a nice, like kind of, you know, refresh, like kind of like a refresher or like whatever that like reassuring, I guess I should say that like, Oh, I'm like actually really enjoying this stuff. Like I remember my first couple of classes, it was like in trauma and stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is like really f- like fun to learn. Yeah. Literally every class that you're taking in that course is something that's exciting directly related as opposed to like high school where you're like oh you gotta take an art you gotta take a music course yeah and i'm like i have no interest in in doing an arts class or whatever like i just want to go and do anatomy physiology or we had the health sector program at my high school so i love doing that course but like yeah yeah, that paramedics is where it's at where it's you're doing like trauma scenarios or you just have like a scenario day you're learning about gunshots or you're learning about you know what i liked about it was like there was like i had a level of knowledge that other people didn't have on things that people 
would draw a blank on like, Oh, like, you know, this guy's got a whatever, like it's presenting like this. And I would like know the information and like other people, it was just like a, it was just an advanced level of knowledge that like, I like that people like I could explain things to like my friends of like, you know, this, uh, this is, I'm feeling this. I'm like, Oh, you know, it's probably this and like explain and like go like, you know, explain my way through it. Like I always thought that was really cool. It was like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like just like not everyday knowledge. So like it was like a specialty that like people were like, Oh cool. Like they wouldn't second guess you on it. Cause like, you know what you're talking about. I thought that, that was really cool. Exactly. And it's not an easy course. Like, in no. fire school, I was, you know, you would go out on the weekends, you would have fun, like wouldn't really study too much because it's a lot of hands-on It's stuff more technical like stuff. Like, yeah, yeah like you're well, learning while you're doing it. It's very hands-on where paramedic was like a lot of book work. You got to. Yeah, I was studying. I probably went to school. So four or five hours a day, I would work out and then I would probably go home and study for another two to three hours every single night. I think in the year and a half that I was doing paramedic school, I probably went out five times i was not going out i was studying working I think out that's due to a lack of friends <laughs> <laughs> no guys i really got to know all these bones and yeah no um well it was yours like shortened too because like mine was two years long so yeah it was condensed it was a year and a half so essentially i just went over the summer right uh, which i thought was very beneficial that way i didn't uh, there was no forget. gap yeah i didn't forget any of the knowledge it just kept me in that studying and groove mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So for someone thinking of like, Oh, maybe like I'll take a paramedic route towards the fire service. What do you like about now? Like into your career that you are like, Oh, I'm glad I took that. Yeah. I, well, first of all, I think doing the paramedic thing uh, is such a good option because where I worked as a paramedic and I've worked for, you know, Toronto and I've worked for Lanark County. You worked for Toronto EMS. I did. Really? So the good thing about this is that you're coming out out of school like so young mm-hmm. that you're going to walk into a, well, firstly, a well-paid job. Well, so on the flip side of that, I walked out of there young and I didn't get a job. I applied to everything and like it just didn't work out for me. Right. But And like the thing about paramedics that I found is like the longer you're out, the harder it is. Because like, like things change all the time. Like I didn't even do 12 leads. We barely did IVs like... So when I'm walking into a test and it's like, you know, IV drip rates and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, like mm-hmm. I had to teach myself uh, 12 lead like interpretations and stuff like that. Like That's like, as I was applying, like, cause it, you know, that was a new skill that people were learning in school. And like, there was different drugs being administered by the time, like I, you know, threw my cap in that, like I was having to teach myself to like keep up. And then, you know, you get to an interview and like, you're going against kids that literally just walked off the back of a, truck in the place that you're applying and you're like i don't know i don't it it is a lot of self-study afterwards if you're not hired within the first year or two but um, that being said you're walking out of school Um, hopefully if you get hired within the first like six months or something like that you're getting good paying job when you're young which is awesome and then you're getting into a career where if you are using this to get into the fire service which is fine you're getting a job where you're working under pressure. You're working under stressful situations. You're working one-on-one with your partner. Like mm-hmm. you're in the back of the ambulance by yourself. It's just you. Yeah. So for the most so, part. So if something goes wrong, obviously you can always, you know, ask for an advanced care paramedic or something like that to rendezvous with you. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you're on your own. You have to make these critical decisions. And, and you, it's not like the book where it's like, 
laid out perfectly in front of you. Like these are the signs and symptoms that have changed. You're like in the back with them and you're like, Oh wait, like this, like it just, it's not, Oh, their blood pressure's just dropped. Like, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. There must not, be a reason. There's like a direct core, like there's no direct correlation to like mm. textbook to life yeah. in that job. But then you're also, you're getting to drive emergency uh, vehicles in emergency situations, which is so huge when you're going through the uh, fire interview. Like you're gaining so much life experience. That and is directly related to basically like the same yeah, similar job. And your maturity is going to be so much higher because you have to, you see people in very vulnerable times. You see childbirth, you see deaths, you see just trauma. You see people. You see at, real life. You see people, yeah, stuck between the bathtub and the toilet because they fell and they can't get back up. You see people in very vulnerable and embarrassing times. And you can take all that experience and bring it into your fire interviews, your fire career. It gives you such a good like d- database to like of experience to choose from when you're like trying to relate it in an interview. Yeah, exactly. You have so much experience to draw upon. Yeah. Also, like um, it gives you a taste of what the job is. For somebody that's walking in and never had any emergency service experience, I like reality is crazy like i always tell everyone like what happens in a a small town you'd never believe like day-to-day stuff that never makes the news and it's just like it really gives you like a sense of like oh am i cut out for this am i ready for this like you know going to a brutal call and you're like okay like oh okay so i've I've experienced that now like i know how i respond to that but like until you actually like get exposed to that sort of thing and like paramedics will give you part of the program is placements and ride outs so like you gain real hand experience without necessarily having to get the job after school is done. So like you have a wealth of experience just leaving school related to the field of emergency services that like you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot, like you're saying like decision-making skills, stress management, uh, critical thinking. So like for me, it was a really good way to gain experience without having to like first get the job. Cause a lot of the jobs that I was applying for, it would be like, you have to have the job to get the job. And I'm like, well, you know, how do you get that? So that's like one really good way to do it. Another thing I find like going forward in my career is like that knowledge that you learn in paramedic school just doesn't melt out of your brain. And being that the fire service is such a heavy medical based response now reassuring to like, know that like, I still know what's going on. Like I, like I have an advanced level of knowledge in related in relation to like what's going on. And like, that's one thing that I really like moving forward. Like, that I gained from doing that. Yes. I was continuing to study while I was applying up until I think I was applying to like 2017 or something. And I was still studying like pretty regularly, but like the retention of that knowledge just doesn't go away. No, exactly. And like the fire department that I'm on now, I'm lucky enough to be a medical instructor. So there's definitely benefits to your department of you having a paramedicine background. Mm -hmm. Um, Guys are going to lean on you and your crew uh, your department's going to lean on you to be an instructor. Patho People are going to want to utilize that. 100%. Which like the job of a firefighter is that of being on a team and whatever skills you bring or knowledge or experience that you have, like people are going to lean on that because like it just helps the whole situation. Another thing that I would uh, recommend, and again, this is just what I did. Uh, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. If you guys are comfortable in Ontario, Stay in Ontario, but I went outside of Ontario to get experience. I went all the way to the Arctic, mm-hmm. up to Iqaluit when I was 20, 21. Oh, and before we get into that, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to ask you a question. Like, knowing now what you know now, would you have done anything different about 
the way that you built yourself to like towards to where you are now? No, I don't think so. I, I think the way I did it was good. I got on when I was young, like I got on the, the my current department when I was 25. I started working in emergency services when I was 20. So no, I had a fairly smooth ride to it. Of course, I went through a lot of hiring processes, a lot of no's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that made me just want it that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so no. I think I would have done what I did up until finishing fire school and then I would have gotten a trade because I expected, I didn't expect it, but I thought it would be a quicker process than what I realized. So I was just getting jobs to fill the gap when I should have been searching for a job that was going to pay me like well and like, you know, fill the void yeah, cause and you give me skills. School. And when did you finish school? Uh, 2010. Oh, I was 21. And you didn't get hired until 25. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense for you. Whereas like I only had like a year out of school. Right. Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't change anything. But yeah, if you can get a a, a skill, like yeah. a trade, and that's going to help you in all aspects of your life too. I was like just signing up to go to gas fitter school, like right when I got hired. So I was like on that path. I just wish I would have clued in earlier and not been as naive to the process of getting hired because I thought it was going to be quicker than it was. So yeah, that's the, like if anyone's listening, like, oh, you know, I'm I just finished school. It's going to happen for me next year. Like, hey, it might, but it there are it a might ton not. of good applicants. I think somebody was saying that Mississauga even just now there was I think they hired twenty four, twenty five, something like that. Mm-hmm. There was like twelve hundred applicants. Yeah, there's it's a lot of competition, and it's I remember like when I first started applying, and I went back to school for more. Uh, I went to school for fire science because. Um, Part of it was they offered uh, the opportunity to have a, a co-op in, in an industrial fire department. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just go back to school because this isn't happening for me right now. Um, and I remember like because of the the co-op, you needed to do an interview with, I, I got in an SO, I think Suncor offered one, like Sarnia is like refinery central. You don't get a name Chemical Valley for no reason. <laughs> I remember like a guy in my class, like also interviewed for the one at ESSO. And he was like, man, that interview was like insane. And I was like, at this point I'd already done a couple like municipal interviews as well. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like it is not like a meet and greet. It is not like, Hey, nice to meet you. Here's the job. Let's shoot the shit for a bit. It's like, we're grilling you. We want to know, like we're investing in the right person. Like goes back to our last podcast about interviews and stuff like the, the cities and wherever you're applying, like they want to, they're, they want to know you're the right person for the job. They're not, they want you to succeed, but they also are like investing in you for the next 10, 20, 30 years and your family. So they want to make sure you're like a good person and the right person for the job. So like, yeah, it's an intense situation. And like, it's just like that kind of conversation where I was like, you know, some people have a lot to to learn. And I, I mean, my first couple job interviews hit me like a brick to the face too. Cause I'm like, I thought this was going to be a lot easier and it really wasn't. So getting back to what I was saying about going out of province, like don't be afraid if of course, if you have circumstances that require you to stay in Ontario, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You can do it here. Mm -hmm. Join a volunteer department, something like that. Move out outside of the city, Mm -hmm. get on a volunteer department would be a great way to get some fire service experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, Tell us about Nunavut. But yeah, I went up to Nunavut. So um, I was working in a Callowit. I did a, I just found them on like fire recruitment. I was looking up for all the full-time departments in 
Canada. I kinda, like the firerecruitment.ca. Yeah. Like yeah. the only place to find hiring postings. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I lived on that website. Yeah. Like and then you checked it 40 times a day. Yeah. Guys, I, I swear guys were on there just like, yeah, I got an interview even if they didn't. Oh, was, just to then, stir the pot. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Exactly. I'd always like see when people are like conditional job offers went out and I just be like, yeah. Can anybody confirm? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, so I went up there. Uh, I figured that it would be a good shot of me getting on there at such a young age. Smart uh, of you to do that. Yeah. I didn't have the cojones to do that because I didn't want to leave Ontario. Yeah, exactly. I, and that's I, like, I needed to keep my finger on the pulse. Exactly. I went up there. I was like, all right, I'm going to get good life experience as well because now you're working in a challenging environment. You're working with people from all across Canada. I imagine it's so different up there. It is. Weather. Well, I mean, the weather resources, we'll get into that, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so they also did the paramedic service there as well. So that's something that immediately captured my attention there because yeah. I wanted to do, I loved paramedics and I love fire. So I could do both there. Mm -hmm. That's not, I think Winnipeg and there's not many. No, no I think Winnipeg is the only other fire department in Canada, that does yeah. like the paramedic service kind of thing. I think maybe like Airdrie, Airdrie and stuff out in, uh, Alberta. Yeah. Uh, maybe some on the East coast too, but like that might be like volunteer mixed with they, they uh, like their paramedic services right. is also like Brett Moss ambulance service. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I went up there and I was like, okay, so I did my over the phone interview. I applied there. I did an online test. I, they gave me a test. So I think with like 300 questions and they gave me an hour to do it. And I just filled it on, filled it out on, on Excel spreadsheet and sent it back to them. But they gave you like so many questions that if you were like, how did they know you like you had an hour? Did they just like they timed? I forget how they did it. But they, they email it on a certain time, make sure that you're live on your computer, and then expect it back within an hour. Something like that, I forget. And then they give you enough questions that if you took the time to like, because it's just me there. Mm -hmm. So if I took uh, the time to look up these questions and like, okay, I'm just going to confirm that this one is whatever mm -hmm. a. Like I would burning time. I wouldn't have enough time to finish all the questions. Yeah, it's a lot of questions. Yeah, so I think you had like thirty seconds or forty five seconds. Twenty of seconds. Yeah, yeah. You have sixty minutes and three hundred. Oh, it wasn't three hundred questions, but it was like one hundred fifty something. <laughs> way off. <laughs> way off. <laughs> but yeah, it was something like that where you didn't have enough time. So that's yeah. how they did that. So, anyways, I did well right. enough on there to to pass or. Um, to get the job. Uh, the next step was my over the phone interview, mm -hmm. which was kind of weird because it wasn't zoom. It was literally just me talking like a phone on the call. phone. Yeah. Talking to the fire chief and like HR was there and, and a deputy. What kind of chief. questions they ask? Uh, one of the ones were um, like, what do you know about a Callowit? How are you going to deal with the limited amount of sunlight? It was mm. one thing that they were going to ask because in a Callowit in the winter, it, the, the sun rises at like 9.30, 10 a.m. And it sets at like 2.33 p.m. Jesus. Yeah, so the winter is really depressing there. Um, you definitely need to take your vitamin D there. Like how would you even like answer that and be like, oh, I don't know. I'm totally fine. Like you don't know until you've done it. Yeah, exactly. I did look up some stuff. So like blackout curtains in the summer because in the summer you're almost getting 21 hours of sunlight. sunlight. That's torture. Yeah, so I woke up like multiple times at like, 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. and it's like middle of the day. Yeah. It messes with you for the first for day. For sure. Or like you're trying to fall asleep and it's like 11 at night and it's like rocket sunlight outside. Yeah. Like, there was so a couple, hard. There was a couple times in the morning when like I would wake up 
for whatever reason at 3 a.m. And I would be like, oh my gosh, like I overslept. I, like, I'm late for work. Yeah, I jump out of bed and I'm like, oh. It's such a, I fell a, for it again. a, a weird thing that I, you, you just like wouldn't think would be an issue until you experience it. Yeah, but it, I, I got to say the sunlight all the time was amazing. Oh, for sure. It was definitely nice. Imagine you wake up at like 5 a.m. You're like, oh, maybe I'll just rock a run before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was like it was the middle of the day, which was awesome. But it was a, such a unique environment working up there. Yeah, um, so like how did that play a role in like the fire services? Because I imagine like, you know, like no trees, that's different. Uh, yeah, no trees. Always no, cold, that's different. Yeah, no, none of the homes had basements. Yeah. So everything's built up on stilts there. Wow. So you didn't have to really worry too much about basement but fires. Like, w- like wooden stilts or like concrete stilts? No, like, it was uh, like um, metal stilts that they would drill down. Would they ever like burn through and like just collapse the whole house? Like if it was on fire? No, like they were just metal uh, pillars into the ground essentially. Mm. Yeah, there'd be, I, I don't know, there'd be, it seems like for each house, like there was a lot of them. To oh, like it's, them it's flush to the ground. It's not like above, like nope, you say yeah, stilts. Some like, of them are above. Oh, wow. Yeah, like a few feet out of the ground or something. Some are flush because a lot of the stuff's built on like hills or tundra. Right, right. So like the back might be flush, but then the front porch Is might up. be up oh. a few feet or something like that. Weird. Yeah, but it was super cool. Um, everything was like trucked water there. So oh, yeah. They had hydrants, but they weren't necessarily always reliable. So you had to be very good at... Because um, they like, freeze? Yeah, at drafting. Right. As far as like firefighting goes. And like they would have city tankers come out, dump the water. Um, so that was kind of a unique thing. Whereas here in town, like... Everything's almost, pretty reliable. Yeah, the volunteers would do most of the drafting and stuff. I obviously know how to do it. I'm competent at that. But like up there, you really had to make sure you're doing it because or you're on your game up there like you do here, but you're a lot more likely to do drafting operations mm-hmm. and not as just, your primary source of water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that definitely played a role in it. Um, you got to always me make sure that you're like circling the pump, even if you're going out to the grocery store or wherever you're going to pick up food. Mm-hmm. Um, fire scenes, always circling it there, uh, keeping your hose cracked. Otherwise it'll freeze real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another problem that we had and, uh, would just like you go into a fire, you're all sweaty. You come out, you take your mask out. You're like mask freeze up. Oh yeah. So, I mean, fighting a fire in the winter is never fun, but yeah, it'll always be cold. One of my biggest regrets up there, and I always like, it's definitely a learning moment. I'm like, what an idiot I was, but I didn't know at the time. Other people were doing it, so I did it too. Mm-hmm. Was um, to get my mask warm and take some of the ice off it after I came out of a fire. You know, you go decon for a bit rest before you go back in mm-hmm. i held my mask over the diesel pa- tailpipe what and then i would just like that would warm it up and i would what? put it on and then go into the fire you couldn't just like <gasps> breathe no. on it no well i didn't know i didn't know like it was such a big carcinogen okay but like think about like how is that problem not solved by that point other than like hey let's stick it by the tailpipe yeah, I I just saw other people do it. And I was like, okay, like this must be a thing. Like, yeah, you can open your jacket, put it in there to kind of keep it warm. But at, this was at the very beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. I didn't know all these little mm-hmm. tricks oh, yeah. and stuff. Like that seems well, like common sense. Yeah, I mean, we're learning more things every day. Yeah, I saw other people do it. I was like, okay, so yeah, I did that. And I'm like, oh. it was only a few times that I did it, but it's something that stands out to me. Oh, if you stand by like the exhaust of a truck, I'm just like, eh. 
Like it yeah. is so brutal. Yeah. So uh, if anybody's listening, definitely don't do that. Don't be the idiot like I was. But that being said, I'm trying to think of some other things that were um, like we had limited resources. There was no mutual aid up there. And so like, we what had, was your manpower like? So we had like 20, 18 to 20 full-time firefighters, including the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Not that they were out there other than doing accountability or, uh, I mean, command. But then we had another 15 to like 18 volunteers mm-hmm. that are hit or miss. A lot of the time people are like out on vacation. They're working their day jobs or... Right. So you'd like be just lucky like if you get another there? 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just other people working for like the government or working for like... There's or CMP or something like that. It's like a booming economy up there. Mostly like government jobs, but yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot of good jobs up there. A lot of people come from the South, mm-hmm. which everywhere is South mm-hmm. to a Gallowit, So well, I had a, a good buddy of mine and his wife moved up to, they lived in Pangertongue and they lived in Iqaluit. Yeah. They loved it up there, but yeah, it's tough. If you're into outdoor snowmobiling, like um, hunting stuff like that fishing it's yeah. it's a very cool place and if you are going to live there i feel like you kind of have, have to have to you yeah. have to embrace it yeah uh but yeah so that those were some of the big challenges so how would you guys like rock a fire with like little manpower i imagine somebody like from toronto listening to this be like you had how many people <laughs> yeah exactly i we would just you would just make do yeah yeah you'd be you'd be going like it's not like toronto where you're you know, one bottle and you're kind of done and you have enough guys to stomp the well, fire out. Like there's, there, there'd be like 25 trucks on scene. Like there's yeah. so many people, which we, is like, you know, you need a lot of people to put a fire out, but like, if you don't have the people, you got to figure it out. No, you had one engine or pump and you had one ladder, 75 foot ladder. So a quint mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we had, and any, that was it. Yeah. Not that we really had any high rise. We had an eight story was our biggest building. Right. Um, no balconies or anything on it. Uh, then we had a couple of like low rises, three stories, four stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was mostly like townhomes or detached homes. Right. But that was pretty much so just two it. trucks show up, two trucks and a yeah. bunch of hopes and dreams. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So like how often were like fires and emergencies happening? Like what was the population? So the population was about 8,000 give Eight? or take. Yeah, 8,000 give or take, but there was more fires than you would think. There was quite a bit of arson there. Um, another thing that I remember up there was like, uh, obviously it gets cold in the winter. There's lots of people living in um, houses as housing so expensive up there, but um, there's also a lot of space heaters. Mm-hmm. So occasionally you'd get that light up uh, drapes they, or curtains, right? So they have space heaters to like substitute or like do they have to like add just, like, do they have furnaces? Do yeah, they have, yeah. Like, heat pumps? Yeah, you'll have or like oil furnaces and stuff. Uh, like but, boilers? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure everybody's situation up there. And right. Yeah, and there was actually... There was, I imagine the houses are probably pretty drafty and... They can be. And it's cold as shit. Yeah, it's so. cold. And you're using this stuff for a lot of the, the year, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not like April here where it's, you know, three, four, five, finally, ten degrees. You look at the, the weather and you're like, we survived. We made it through another winter. Exactly. And there'd be Just quite a bit ends up there down on the um, beach there. There would also be some homeless that li- would live in shacks and stuff that would use like little Coleman stoves and stuff to keep warm. A lot of the times those would Just uh, catch. get knocked over or something like that and catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, everything up there is either brought in by boat during the sea lift during the summer months or shipped in via airplane. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these big, uh, you know, stores or stuff would have uh, a heavy fuel load 
because they would bulk up for oh right yeah or like um a house might do a sea lift ordering like order enough toilet paper for the whole year uh, so stuff would have like so it's, a, it's early covid year round there <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah those were some of the challenges um that i remember up there yeah that i would never think that but like that does make sense that you gotta like stack up yeah everything is so expensive there if you don't do that that it adds up real quick. Yeah, my buddy used to like fly in like pallets of food and stuff up to his place in Pangertongue. If you go down south, like or what a guy would go to Ottawa every once in a while, I would take very little clothes and you're allowed two suitcases on your airplane back up there. Oh, and yeah. And it would just be, I would go to Walmart and I would stock up on whatever food I can get. Right. I wouldn't be drinking beer up there because it's too heavy per the can. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a drink or two, like I would bring up a bottle of smirnoff or something like that Mm -hmm. and like some meals in my water yeah because pop was crazy expensive because it's so heavy your whole suitcase is just starbucks iced coffee (laughs) yeah i uh you sure this is the smartest thing tim (laughs) yeah speaking of iced coffee up there or coffee in general um one thing that was totally new to me they had tim hortons but it was all self-serve what so you just had like one person working a till and then it would just be like a like in a cafeteria where you walk up get your own coffee and everything wow yeah that's wild yeah interesting yeah and they had like i think three of them everything up there was there was no like starbucks there was no kfc uh subway they used to have it like back in 2008 or 9 because i was that's one of the things i noticed when i was going i was like okay at least they got a subway right each like submarine sandwich was like 20 dollars or something like that so they quickly went out of business no kidding because nobody was buying it right yeah so no now $5 foot long. Yeah. Everything up there was just like a little mom and pa shop, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool in a way. Mm-hmm. They, so like, they didn't have a Walmart. They didn't have, they had something called like a North Mart, which was the equivalent somewhat. Right. And didn't one of them burn down? Yeah. The North, Mar- the, uh, I wasn't there for that. That was after I left, but dude, that would decimate that community. Yeah. That's like yeah. their entire supply of everything. Exactly. Or if you had any like big winter storms and planes couldn't get in, like those stores were air yeah and then people would charge an arm and a leg but one but speaking of storms and stuff like that uh, in the airport one of the best things about working up there one of the things that i enjoyed the most was when uh so calwood has the second largest runway Mm -hmm. in canada so it's like a highway for airplanes coming over from europe to calgary to la Mm -hmm. seattle wherever if there was ever an emergency on board a medical emergency or something like that, they would divert to a Callowit. And, oh, yeah? I, and I had the opportunity to go on several times to like assess a patient. I remember this one girl on like KLM flight that landed there um, was having a stroke. So it was pretty cool. You got to go in and assess and not really challenge you because now you're ta- dealing with people like different language and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and that was really cool. It's like, okay, when did the, like the facial droop? I see that. Yeah. Okay. When did this start? Cause we only have, and you're trying to like find somebody that can translate. Yeah, exactly. And she'd be like, oh, okay, it happened at 3 PM Dutch time. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. What time is that? Dude, language barriers are no joke. Yeah. And that's another thing with the Callaway was like a lot of the town is French. Mm-hmm. Oh really? A, yeah. A lot speak, uh, and mm-hmm. So the local language, a lot of the elders do. So if you ever had like a cardiac patient or respiratory COPD, something like that, you would have to speak almost like emergency, like ineptitude or something mm-hmm. like emergency, somehow translate with them if there wasn't a translator or right. you would just put them on the ambulance, bring them up and be like. Like were there people at the hospital that spoke, like were there translators there? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So at least like worst case. You yeah. Just a lot of time they go. did have like a family member with them mm-hmm. that we could um, use to. As a translator. Yeah. And I thought I was good. I thought I retained a lot of French learning it all through my life in school. And I'll never forget. I was in like deep Quebec and I went to a McDonald's with my buddy Trevor and uh, I tried to order a hamburger. And dude, I've never felt more dumb in my entire life. I was like, uh, un hamburger uh, sans fromage. And dude, they were just killing themselves laughing. I was like, all right, I'm not cut out for this life anymore. Well, I can top that. When I was doing my uh, phone interview for a Calouet Fire, I made it because I knew there was a lot of French there. And I didn't know much French. We took it in grade nine. That was phone about it. doer. <laughs> Je m'appelle Tim. Exactly. I was like... Another reason I'd love to come up to a Calouet is that I would love to expand my French. No. I didn't know the the fire chief was from New Brunswick and was and that's predominantly French there oh, as yeah. well. And he he was asking me a question in French. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. My, I, I forget what I said, but I was like I come on. You just like quickly like Google yeah. translate. <laughs> yeah, je ne pas or something like that. No. My yeah. brother told me a story when he was going through his um, residency interviews, um, you could select like French, English, whatever language you were. And people would try and cheat the system and just say like, oh, yes, I'm fluent in French as well. Let's bump my thing to the top of the list. And he was like, yeah, people would show up to their interviews and it would just be French. And they're like, well, I'll see myself out then. That's great. Yeah. That was definitely a bonehead thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I definitely made it sound like I already was pretty good at French and mm-hmm. then I just wanted to kind of um, or, uh, emerge myself. It's, sorry, you're losing signal. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hey, I got the job anyways. So getting back more into the Calibit fire, like how did it work? Like you were, was there, you said there's paramedic and fire. So were you just like on yeah, the, so there was the like, ambulance one day and then the fire truck the other day? Like Yeah, so you're a little bit of both. Like, so you have three to like five people on a shift. Um, so a medical call comes in, let's say you and me are partnering up for the day. Mm-hmm. Call comes in, we're more I'd junior. call in sick that day for sure if I was stuck with you. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, so we would, no, we would partner up and if a medical call came in, we'd jump on the ambulance and respond to whatever call, do it, take care of the patient, take them up to the hospital. How was the hospital there? Pretty good. It was small, yeah. but it was a nice brand new hospital, so it was good. Was it mostly like fly in, fly out nurses and doctors, or were there like people there? There was people there all the time, but there was a lot of like medevacs and stuff like that, and you would get transferred down to Ottawa or Winnipeg if right. it was mental health. But I mean, like, were there like uh, what are they called? Travel nurses, yep. like people that. So, like, are you seeing new people all the time, or are you yeah, just they're like, usually up there for like six months to a year contracts, right? Uh, sometimes longer. And so you get used to them. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, okay. for sure. Um, it's not like every time you go in there, it's new people. No, no. But like I was saying, so we jump on the ambulance uh, and then if we were back at the hall and a fire call came in, the five of us or four of us would jump on the pump. What if you're on the ambulance and you're like, you know, stuck at a call and a fire comes in? Are you just like, uh, well then you're stuck at that call and then the other crew would either respond if they had enough people or they would wait for volunteer or full-time staff to come down get on the trucks and then go. So are the full-time people always basically on call? Yeah. Yeah. We carried around pagers. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cause we, if something happens and there's oh, only five yeah. people on duty. Like, yeah. So you, you could it. still go on, live your life. You weren't like on a on call schedule. Yeah. Cause you said there's like no response, like surrounding volunteer stations or mutual yeah, aid. There's no mutual aid at all. Like the next closest would be like one of the little communities or, right something like that well my buddy that lived in hangar town he said there was three cops there 
Yeah, that's it. He's like, so one guy was, or one person was always on duty. And then like, if they needed backup or they were sick, they just like phone, like put out a like bat signal in the sky. And then hopefully the other two, like if it's three in the morning that their ringers on and they show up. Yeah, exactly. That'd be one of the scariest thing being a cop up in that area with no back, like no backup. There's potentially no backup. Your service is very limited. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so back to um, how we respond, that's pretty much it. You would just call on the volunteers, send out a page to the full-time staff. They'd come down, whether it was the middle of the night or whenever, and then that's that's what you, whatever you got. So was there got. one station? One station, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, one station, two ambulances, two trucks, and they had like a ATV side-by-side so you, side thing. You had two ambulances? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, two ambulances. Um, yeah, their equipment there was actually really good. Like mm. their ambulance was really nice. So walk me through it. You get hired. You phone in, and they're like, shockingly, this we like this Tim guy. Yeah, don't know why. Um, and they call you up. They're like, come in. You're you're hired. What happens? They put you in housing. Do you have to find your own housing? Yeah. So How was the training? So the first two weeks, um, they put me up in a, like an Airbnb kind of thing, which was really nice. And then um, before that, they were in. Um, communication with me helping me find a spot mm-hmm. people were people from the fire department would reach out uh, help you out um, they would help me as far as like getting my car on like a big boat to bring up there I brought my jeep up there oh yeah it's um, a cheap thing it's a jeep thing exactly I needed that um, <laughs> needed the tarp down yeah they sent movers to my house and they gave me a certain amount of weight I could bring up there they would pay for it to all be shipped up there. It's just all protein powder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so essentially they brought up like furniture and everything like that. So they're in control of the logistics of getting you there. Yeah. I show up there and then two weeks in their little Airbnb and then I'm doing day shifts at the fire hall for the first two weeks, something like that. I'm working with every shift to kind of get a grasp of the city, a grasp of everybody on the department. Are they like putting you through any training or like here's our SOGs or like anything? This was a long time ago, but yeah, there was definitely SOGs. There was definitely training that I had to do. Um, They didn't have a great training rounds when I was there. It's a lot better now from Mm -hmm. what I see. Um, But it was just like an old house that they would bring up off the stilts and like bring down to this dirt area that the city owned. And then we could use it for training. So yeah. So when they just leave it where it was because they were putting a new house there or something. Oh yeah. So they would crate it down there, ship it down there. Um, what a great idea. What a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that. And then a lot of it was just on the job training. Every oh, shift okay. you would do like quite a bit of training. Um, and how many people got hired when you got hired? Like, are they just constantly kind of hiring or is yeah, it- the turnover rate there is like every like two to three years or every year and a half, something like that. People will leave. Is that like a very common thing? Yeah. Like how much, like, of the people that get hired, what percentage end up going somewhere else? Probably 65. Oh, really? Yeah. Like you get the core people up there, mm-hmm. um, like some captains and stuff like that, uh, that kind of probably go up there. I mean, it's good that like there's a decent amount that are retained as well. Cause like that's a certain level of knowledge and skills that yeah, if I think, it's constantly turned over would not be there. I think a lot go up there planning on only going up for like two or three years and then they actually really like it they stay there for a lot longer or they meet uh, the woman of their dreams or man of their dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and then they stay up there. But it's good to have those core solid people. They know the department in and out. They know a lot of the local uh, local people. They mm-hmm. know all like the, well, the even housing think, and stuff like that. People that are like in one station or response area for a long time, the things that they know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, they know everything about the department, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Stuff that's just so invaluable that... Are they like upset when people leave or they just like, yeah, this is kind of, no, that's the normal there. Yeah. Like even when you go there, you don't get into the pension. It's not part of the IAFF. Oh, okay. Um, You just get a RRSP plan or a, um, yeah, they match like your RRSPs and. Okay. Yeah. Do that. So that when, that that way, when you do leave there, you like leave with a decent amount of Mm -hmm. money that you can. But they don't have like Omar's or. No, they had, uh, no, no, they were just part of like the Nunavut employees union. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it was good, but Mm. you, so I don't, I don't, I don't know how that works. If you can, I don't think you can like buy time back or anything in your pension. Right. It's just, well, I mean, you have RSPs. Yeah. Yeah. But still. You can transfer those to your AVCs. Yeah. Did you do that? No. Oh, you can. I bought a house. Oh. I had to pay it back, but. Oh yeah. You can use your RSPs for. Your down payment. Yeah. It's interest-free too, right? I believe so. Nice. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think if you can go out of province, whether it's Yellowknife or mm-hmm. Callaway or Northern Ontario or wherever, or those, uh, another thing that I applied for, I never got into, but... Work experience programs? Work experience programs. I applied to a couple of those. In Big White. Big White, I did that That one. would be amazing. Sick. Yeah. Like just on a ski hill or mountain. Yeah. You live there with like a bunch of either guy guys girls whatever that are like the same yeah you know i bet it would be so much fun Mm -hmm. oh i bet yeah i remember i interviewed for that i think i did two interviews it's pretty pretty close but no cigar it's funny because those are even like hard to get in you're just volunteering to work for there yeah i know you know going to nunavut or like going out of province that's a great stepping stone like path i just other than like the work experience programs uh, i didn't really apply to anything out of province because i just didn't want to risk being gone for that long. I was a little naive, like 22 years old. What is a year really? It's not like I'm like 30 and I'm like cutting into like my retirement gap. Like, you know, I should have looked at that maybe a little bit more seriously. That's one thing that like maybe I should have done. I also Mm. um, considered the oil fields, like the fly in, fly out paramedic fire thing as well. But like, again, I didn't want to be gone because those are normally like you go in for two weeks and then you come home for two weeks. I just, I didn't want to miss like a job posting or something. So I just stayed in Ontario and just grinded it out. Yeah. But like, that's a good path well, for some well, people Well, at that to time take. too, you had to be in town to do all the interviews, all the, uh, the testing, the testing where now you can go and do OFAI yeah. and then You're good you can for, just fly back for an interview. Yeah. That's or, no big deal. Or even like Stu was saying, they're doing a lot on like zoom now. Yeah. Like I remember like you'd have to like show up at Brock on this day to do the test. And it's just like, I, I would hate if I was in like somewhere else that like, I'm like, I'm not going to stay here forever. So like, why am I missing opportunities where I want to be? But you're getting all that experience. Like I applied to like, uh, I think I was offered a job in like uh, swift current Mm -hmm. for as a paramedic or Swan river as a paramedic. Like I applied to all these places. I didn't care where I was going to go. I just wanted to be a paramedic so bad or firefighter so bad. Right. This was just another step forward you just always got to keep moving forward keep your foot on the gas apply and do whatever it takes to get this job because it really is worth it oh yeah it's the best job ever it's amazing 
So how did you transition back out of Nunavut? Like you're applying for jobs in Ontario while living there? Yeah, so I was applying there. Like day one, you're in Nunavut. Are you like on firehall.com? Or you like? No, I was pretty committed there. Yeah. Uh, it was a really cool experience, and the, the city invested a lot in me, so I wanted to make sure that I at least fulfilled my obligation to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so after like maybe a year and a half, two years, I would uh, look at applying. So I was, uh, I tried to get on some like fire halls and stuff. It was, I was still really young at the time. Mm-hmm. So paramedics was my way out. I actually went up to, I got hired in Lanark County. So just outside of Ottawa, that was an amazing department. Uh, that was I, your first job that was back my, home. Yeah. That was my paramedic service. Um, but they just didn't, I thought I knew I was going to get hired part-time, mm-hmm. but I thought you would get full-time hours. That's how paramedics in Ontario usually work. You start mm-hmm. up part-time unless you get on like Toronto or Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And then it just wasn't enough hours. So okay. I, I lived there for like maybe like nine or 10 months. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of paramedics do like two or three part-time jobs yeah. to like fill. Yeah. The so hours. I, I burned through a lot of my money, my lot, a lot of my savings there. I got a house. I was like, okay, I'm just, I don't want to rent. I want to be here. And then I was like, oh, this isn't good. So I mm-hmm. went back and I applied to um, Waterloo and I applied to Toronto. Right. So I was like, okay, I got both of those. Wow. Yeah. So that was really sick. That was amazing. So I'm like, okay, I'm not making the same mistake. I'm going to take both of them. I'm going to work both. I think we and talked about this before. I think you, you and I both interviewed for Waterloo EMS at the same time. Maybe. Did you do the MMI thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And anyways, and then they both almost gave me like full-time hours right away. I'm like, oh, so oh, I just yeah. went from one end of the spectrum to the other. Right. And I'm now I'm like, whoa, I'm too busy. So I worked for Toronto for maybe. How was it like working in Toronto? Almost 12 months. Oh, really? Year. Yeah. And then I, I quit and I just stuck with Waterloo and that was a great decision. Right. Toronto was amazing. Yeah. Toronto, they have their stuff together. Um, they're like, just as far as like their Imagine GPS, like, like to get to calls and stuff was their maps were super progressive. Their call details, everything as far as their dispatch was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine the call volumes like out of control. Yeah. It was busy there. Like, and I knew that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're of course, in yeah. a city of like few million right Mm -hmm. um but the the calls there just seemed to be more legitimate Mm -hmm. i did a like a gunshot to the face i did holy yeah um i did you know like legit cardiac calls i did legit trauma calls a lot of mental health there Mm -hmm. um some stabbing stuff like that like super like unfortunate calls but if they are going to happen calls that i wanted to be a part of because i wanted that experience that's why you sign up to be a paramedic you don't sign up to to do like a gout call <laughs> you sign up to do sign like, up to help people yeah really, you want to do it. that adrenaline rush lights and sirens like going mm-hmm. through like we had on the the gunshot call like we were we had a police escort to the hospital mm-hmm. where like they would shut down the one intersection the other cops would rush by, by me shut down the other intersection mm-hmm. and i would just cruise right to st mike's or whatever right um it was such an wild yeah it was a wild call it was a wild time but i was commuting from waterloo so i wasn't sustainable for me and like it was driving, a lot of traffic driving a lot of, into toronto is a nightmare yeah for anybody outside of the gta like your gps could say it's going to take 50 minutes and it could take you like four hours yeah it, it's so unpredictable and so brutal that's kind of how i got back in and then i was going through OFAI mm-hmm. and stuff like that. 
How was that? I didn't actually have to. Do it was that. challenging. It seemed like everybody failed the first time. Yeah, at least heard, like I not heard, so much the written test, uh, but the, the the practical. I heard like people would be like, they just like fail. Yeah. Like, well, what did I do? They're like, oh, we can't tell you. Yeah. Like, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna fix it? I don't even know what I did wrong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to do that. I just had to do York and Brock like four hundred thousand times. Yeah. That well, that's and that's another good uh, thing that I wanted to kind of point out to people is like, I do every testing you could possible because you never know what department you're going to get on. So mm-hmm. just because OFII does 80% of the departments or something like that, mm-hmm. if there's another one like Fire Ontario, take the chance and go and do that one because now there's three more that you might get The applicant on. pool is smaller too because a lot of people aren't going to step out and exactly. spend the extra time and money to... 100%. Yeah. And like some departments still do like their own thing. Like I, I, this is back like 10 years ago, but I remember I applied to Stratford and they had like their own Mm -hmm. entire London had their own entirely different like hiring system. Like London's like that. I think like Hamilton might still be like that. Renfrew Mm -hmm. small departments, but yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe I was going to say Woodstock is, I uh, just tried to throw my name in as many hats as possible. Yeah. Like just anywhere. Yeah. Take every opportunity because you never know the one that might click for you and you want to get, all the experience of going through because that's just going to make you better and better mm-hmm, don't sure. don't just limit it to your hometown yeah like some people just have a knack for like interviews or writing tests or something and like i found for me like the more experience yeah it was like soul crushing to keep getting rejected but the more experience i got the just the better i got at things like which like it's a tough lesson to learn but like i don't know it eventually got me there yeah 100 percent. well I think that's good for today and we'll kind of wrap it up. Thanks everybody for listening. And if you guys selfishly can go and follow us on Instagram at uh, life beyond the sirens, yep. give us a five star review on Apple podcast, Spotify. We really appreciate it. If you, if you guys any, have any questions, yeah. just reach out, uh, DM us. We're really good at getting back to you. Any show ideas, guest ideas, something you want to hear. Yeah. Likes, dislikes of the show, anything we can do better, let us know and we'll try to improve. Uh, Until the next time.